Well, good evening. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Let's all stand up. I just want to pray for Pastor Mike and Beth. I'm so excited that they're on this trip because I've been on that trip once before and it was awesome. So, Father, we just thank you for this marvelous opportunity for Pastor Mike that they're able to go on this trip. And may it be a time of refreshing and time that they're just going to have a wonderful fellowship and ask that you just bless them abundantly. And we thank you now for your word tonight. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is here to teach us and to guide us. And Lord, we're just excited about being here tonight, being in your presence. And Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. While you're standing, everybody move up closer and in. How's that sound? Because <laughs> so, I, I like to see your faces. Amen. While you're doing that, I'll just mention a couple things. Um, after you move up, you can be seated. <laughs> I have a tool table on the back. I always like to call it a tool table rather than a, a product table. Because you know when a carpenter builds, a carpenter uses tools to build. And so we need to have tools that will build our faith. Amen? So I've got, uh, actually, we have some really nice Christmas sale items on the back table. Uh, for example, my book, Instructions from the Great Physician, there's a special price if you get three of them instead of buying them individually. And uh, the My Daily Delight in the Lord is also on special, the shower cards and the daily power bar, so you can go back there and look. And uh, I also have some other items that I don't think I've had here for a while. My, there's a prayer dynamic series. It's a four-part series on prayer, which is excellent. It talks about the different kinds of prayer, how corporate prayer works. It talks about a defining warfare and travail. And it also talks about the highest form of prayer. So that might be something you might be interested in. And then I have a, a new book. It, uh, actually, it isn't quite ready yet. It'll be ready in about three and a half weeks but it's guidelines for praying for the sick. It would be something that would be excellent if you, have a, if you go out to pray for people in, in a hospital or if just, in, just in any everyday life. You just need to have some guidelines because over the years if I have uh, prayed for so many people and I've realized there's so many different groups or classes of people that you will encounter. Some have no information about God or about healing. Some have wrong information. Some are angry at God. Some feel unworthy. Some tell you that they want to be healed, but they really don't. So you're going to have to get the book to get all these answers. <laughs> we also talk about uh, why did so-and-so die? I, I know they were in faith. And th those kind of questions will really help you and encourage you uh, in your, in your uh, ministry walk. And, and you don't even have to be in the ministry to pray for people. We know that, right? Just in everyday life. But it's called Guidelines Praying for the Sick. So if you want to get that, you can fill out one of the order forms on the back. Uh, like uh, Mark was saying, I just got back. Actually, I've only been gone. It's only been like uh, three and a half weeks. I was, or four weeks, I guess it has been. I uh, was in India and Thailand and Burma, and I came home for just a few days, and then I was in uh, New York and Massachusetts. So I just got home. Yesterday was my first day back. So it's been a full schedule, but it's just been, it's just been awesome. Uh, the ministry in India was great. I uh, taught in the Bible school. I taught every day straight for 11 days. Uh, there were 180 Bible school students. I was translated into five different languages. And um, the second day, 
I talked about the Holy Spirit, and about 75% of the students came forward to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So that was really, really neat because I thought, oh, don't think they're filled. And before I go on teaching for 11 days, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost so we can understand what's going on. So that was awesome. Uh, one night was an evangelistic night, and they actually meet just once a month for this evangelistic service. And there were about 100 people that come to that. Some are Catholics, some are Lutherans, and uh, a major majority of them all got saved that night. It was really, really, really awesome. And uh, I went to Burma. Um, that was an experience going to Burma because I was with my missionary friends and our translator. But when we got to the border, my missionary friends found out that uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't enter because they didn't have the proper, um, well, they had a visa to stay in Burma, but if they went or to stay in Thailand, but they would lose their visa uh, for where they lived if they crossed the border. So uh, they didn't do that. And I didn't realize, and it all happened so fast. I went through the line first, and then they realized they couldn't come through unless they lost their visa for Thailand, and they didn't want to do that. And the translator, uh, he actually is from Burma, so he had to go into another line to get into the country. So all of a sudden, I realized I'm all by myself <laughs> going through, and uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. And I got partway through, and I thought, well, am I done? I mean, am, am I through? And I was just following this big group of people. But I thought, I don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to go or to meet my translator. And I stopped, and I just kind of looked all around and kind of observing everything. And then I thought, well, I'll walk a little further. And there was a man in front of me. He stopped and turned around and spoke perfect English. And he said, you have to go over there. I said, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so I went over there and found out I hadn't finished going through all the paperwork to get into the country. So I followed that group of uh, people, got through, and then they stamped it. And the man said, finished. You are finished. I said, okay, now I'm done. And now I still didn't know where to go. So I walked out and, and I still didn't see my translator, but I saw that man across the road, the one that gave me the directions. I thought, I think he might've been an angel. So I went over there and I said, do you know where I go next? Yes, you go over there and wait. I thought, thank you. I thought, thank the Lord, that was my angel. I mean, I had no clue. And so I went over there. I thought, I'm going to stand here, and I'm not going to move till my translator gets here. And in 15 minutes, there he came. And then uh, I thought, well, how are we going to get to this orphanage that we're supposed to go to? And two men pulled up on motorcycles. And I thought, are these your friends or something? He said, no, that's our transportation. I thought, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know we're going by a motorcycle. And so off we went. And I have, um, so in some of these countries, I just kind of hold my breath when I see some of these families on motorcycles. I mean, there will be four kids and mom and dad. And, and, and so here I am. I'm, I'm with this lady and her little girl. And I thought, oh, here I am. I'm one of them now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, it was really neat at this orphanage because <clears throat> I was only to speak to the leaders. And there were just three of them, the main leaders. And it's a, just a little tiny hut where they have 24 children. And um, they were so hungry. These three leaders, they got out their Bible, their notepad. They were taking notes, writing down scriptures. And when we, when we finished, they said, how come we've never heard things like this before? <laughs> it, was just, it was just so... I mean, it's just wonderful when you see people that just grab hold of the Word of God, just like a sponge. It was just so wonderful. 
And then from there, I had to uh, cross back into Thailand and had to go up in some mountain range to uh, minister to a sick person up there. It was an, an Indian tribe, and it was really, really dark when we got there, and they just, um, it's just little huts, and all the roads, well, there are no roads, it's just dirt and trenches, and so we're just kind of making our way through there, and they had prepared this lovely meal. We sat on the floor, and <clears throat> I ate the rice, and the other item was black pig. I thought, I don't think so, <laughs> you know, but uh, it was just amazing, and then this lady that I prayed for, she got saved, just got saved. I mean, it was just, it was so wonderful, but just to to be with, I don't care if it's a thousand people or if it's just one. You know, it is just so rewarding when you see somebody's life touched and changed and healed and set free just because of the Word of God, just because of how, how good God is. It is just, it is just so, so wonderful. And then we went to, <clears throat> went on to Thailand. I could hardly, I, well, I wasn't even able to get out of the country of India. Um, I knew something was wrong with my, with my ticket, and so I told my drivers, don't just drop me off. I need you to stay here because I sense in my spirit something is wrong. And so I got up and to uh, check in my luggage and uh, give them my boarding pass, and they said, hmm, you can't get on this flight. Some, and I, didn't, I really don't understand for sure everything that was wrong. They just said something about some numbers. And uh, he said, you have three options. You can call your travel agent. Well, I'm 15-hour time change, and my travel agent's in California on a Sunday morning. That didn't work. He said, or you can buy a brand-new ticket right now. I said, oh, well, I'll, maybe I better do that. Well, you can't, though, because it's 1030, and all the sales offices are closed. I said, oh, well, and now the other option? He said, well, if you know another agent here in, in, uh, in uh, Thailand or in India at 10 o'clock at night, I said, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> he said, well, I guess you can wait till morning and try to call your agent in California. I thought, no, that's not going to work. And then I thought, well, I'm going to call the pastor that I just preached at that morning because he travels all the time. And I said, by any chance, do you have the home number of your travel agent? <laughs> and um, they, 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 he had it. But once I got into the airport and realized I couldn't fly out, I couldn't leave the airport. And I started to walk on this, oh, no, you can't leave. I said, well, I'm not, I'm not flying. Oh, you can't leave. I thought, what? You're not allowed to leave. He said, you have to, you're going to have to have a personal escort. You have to have your uh, passport stamped. And so now, that was started at 1030. It is now almost 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, finally, I got an escort to go out. But in the meantime, I was telling these people that were waiting for me, there were, there were windows in the airport. So I could see them out there. And I said, I'm walking this way. I'm walking this way. So we kind of stayed in contact. And the guard let me go outside into this gated area. He said, you can go this far. You can't take your luggage, but you can stand right there and communicate to your friends. And so I said, I need you to call that pastor and see if he can help me. I didn't have any Internet connection at that, in that area where I was. So the, the travel agent for the pastor was able to help me. And so uh, I said, but I can't uh, receive anything on the Internet, so I need you to send it to my driver on his iPhone. And so he did that, and then the guard let him come up, and I was able to, he opened up his iPhone, and I took a picture of my, my boarding pass on my iPad. 
And then I took my iPad over to the guard. I says, now this, this is it. Can I please come back in and fly to Thailand? He says, no, not yet. <laughs> so he made a phone call and called one of the travel agents or the, at the, inside the airport, one of the agent ticket people. And that lady had to come outside. She looked at my iPad. She said, yeah, that looks legitimate. So then she wrote down the number. She went back into the airport. She printed out my boarding pass, came back outside to this gated area where I was, and gave me a boarding pass. And she says, now you are allowed to come in. <sighs> 3.30 in the morning, went through, through security, and the guard said, I hope you know your, fli your flight's an hour late. I said, I don't care how late it is now. Just, just get me out of India. You know, just get me out of here. But it was just, um, but it was such a fruitful trip. It was so, so fruitful. And then from there, I was home, like I said, home just a few days. I had to preach in sun on Sunday here in Escondido. And then I went on to New York, and we were having a women's conference. They expected about 40 women, 120 showed up, and it was an absolutely awesome, awesome, awesome time. And um, then I went on to, um, well, I preached on Sunday, and then I went on to uh, Massachusetts and had an awesome, awesome, awesome healing service all weekend, and then again, a Sunday service. Uh, and I got home yesterday, so here I am. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's been great, just, just great meetings. And, but you know what I, what I had on my heart when I was uh, thinking about coming here when I was in New York and Massachusetts, I thought, you know, I want to talk about being a flame of fire for God. Because, you know, I see so many people get saved in uh, so many other countries, uh, more so than I do stateside. I do see a lot of salvation stateside, but I think one of the biggest problems is people in America don't bring unsaved people to church. You know, you, you have to invite them, but also bring them. How can they get saved unless they hear? And how can they hear if somebody doesn't tell them? So it's really important that we understand um, how to be very confident in, in witnessing to people and inviting them to come. So I just had some things on my heart that I wanted to share with you. And let's let me read a few scriptures. In Hebrews chapter 1, <clears throat> in verse 7, it says, He makes his angels winds and his servants or his ministers flames of fire. He makes his angels winds, winds and his servants flames of fire. And then it says in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 7, it says, Jesus stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity and took the very nature of a servant. So we were just reading how he makes his, his servants flames of fire. I think we would all truly agree that Jesus, as a servant to God, was truly a flame of fire. God. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this applies to every one of us here if you are born again. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
That is our title. We are an ambassador for Christ. If you are born again, and our assignment is to reconcile the lost to Christ, and I think we could also say to reconcile the sick to the healer. Amen? So any person with a vision to run his race as an ambassador for God must be a flame of fire. We must be. We can't be lukewarm. We can't be wimpy. <laughs> and we can't be shy. If you are shy and the Holy Ghost is not shy, then we'd have to say that we're just operating in the flesh. Amen? Because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of each one of us, and he is not shy. I can remember hearing this story one time. This uh, lady was, uh, she was part of, um, well, she belonged to a, a, a good church, and she'd been there for a long time. And they were having this outreach where they were going to go, and everybody was to walk around their neighborhood and pray for their neighbors. Uh, just in, in walking, not talking to the neighbors, but just walking. But um, he, the pastor told the people, but when you go out there in your neighborhood, instead of just praying for everybody at random, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you because he is our guide, right? Ask him to guide you as to who specifically he wants you to pray for because he knows who is ready. Amen? So this lady did that. And so she sensed that the Holy Spirit was telling her to really emphasize on this one particular house that she walked by every day. Now, she was a shy person, but, and she never wanted to really witness, but she thought, I can certainly walk around the neighborhood and pray. So she was doing that, and uh, this one day as she's walking past this particular house, the lady of the house was out in her yard, and she was tending her garden and when the lady from the church walked by, the lady in the garden lifted up her head and said, Hi. And so the lady said, Hello. And without thinking, she just said to the lady in the, of the house, I pray for you every time I walk past your house. She was shocked that she even spoke. You know, she said, I pray for you. And the lady in the garden said, Oh, well, in that case, you must come in my house and come and pray for my husband because he's been paralyzed for many years. And she thought, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> so she went in the house, and she said, well, would it be okay if I call my pastor? <laughs> so she called the pastor, and the pastor came, and they prayed for the man, and he was instantly healed, absolutely instantly healed, not progressive, instantly healed. Now, that just spoke volumes to the whole neighborhood, right? And even that shy little woman, guess what? She wasn't shy anymore. When she saw that the Holy Ghost on the inside of her could do something that she never thought could happen. But see, so you don't want to be shy because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That's what it talks about in Acts chapter 1. Uh, you have received power to be a witness Amen. I like what it says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What you and I are called to do, we cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit. 
I don't know if I've ever told you this little story one time here before, but there was this big old elephant, and he's about to walk across this swinging bridge. He's out in the jungle, and he's going to walk across this swinging bridge. And just as he's about to cross the bridge, a little tiny gnat flew on his ear. And so he steps across on this bridge, and the bridge is swinging back and forth and just squeak and squeak. With every step, the bridge is swinging and squeaking. And finally, the big old elephant gets all the way across, and that little gnat whispered in his ear, Mr. Elephant, together, you and I sure made that bridge swing, didn't we? <laughs> See, with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, he can make your neighborhood swing. He can make your church swing. He can do all kinds of things because the greater one is on the inside of you. So don't expect to even think that you have to do it alone. You were never intended to do it alone. In John 14, beginning in verse 16, and I believe I wrote this out of the NIV. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper. See, don't ever think that you're going to have to go out there by yourself. You have a helper. It talks about an intercessor, an advocate, the strengthener, the standby, and he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him and does not recognize him. But you know him and you recognize him for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. You know, I think sometimes we just take the Holy Spirit for granted. But he is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. And I've said this before, and I, I don't know if any of you heard me say this, but, you know, I like what it says in Romans 8, 11, that the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. You know, we hear so much about uh, the war and bombs, and bombs are very destructive. And they not only destroy their target, but they destroy everything else around the target. But there never has been and there never will be a bomb powerful enough to reach the pit of hell. But the same spirit that did reach the pit of hell and raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. To me, that is beyond awesome that God has imparted one-third of himself. You know, God the Father, God the, the Son, they live in heaven, but God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me. That is just amazing, amen? amen? So we need to realize what we actually have by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Now, in John 15, 5, turn there, John 15, 5, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, but it says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much or abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing, nothing. 
So it says here, without vital union, without vital fellowship with God, we can do nothing. So he never expects us to go out there on our own. He lives on the inside of us. And he says, apart from me, you can't do it. You need my help. But we have to realize that we have to take time to spend time to come into his presence. And when you come into his presence and you come into that secret place of the Most High and you begin to dwell there and you begin to commune with the Lord in the secret place, when you come into his presence like that, you can never leave without having received an impartation. In his presence, there will always be an impartation of whatever you need. And then with that impartation comes the anointed outflow that you now will bear not just fruit, but much fruit, fruit that remains. You know, when people get saved, uh, sometimes we get so excited, we want to tell everybody, oh, this is what the Lord has done for me, and we just want witness to everybody and get everybody saved. And that's a good thing, but that's not what God is looking for in us once we get saved. Once we are saved, the Bible says in John that he is seeking such who will worship him. Why is that? Because we've got to come into his presence. We have to be a worshiper so that we can receive that anointing and the direction of what we're supposed to do. Just to go out there as a new believer and witness, you'll bear fruit. But he wants us to bear much fruit and fruit that will remain. I can't tell you, you know, I travel all around the world and and when I go to some of these countries that I've been to time and time again, it just blesses me when I go in there and say, last year, when you prayed last year, when you were here two years ago, and they're still there. They're still there. Uh, a couple years ago, there was one young girl got saved uh, in a church in Germany. And the following year when I was preaching there again, she came running up to me. She says, do you remember me? I got saved under your meeting last year, and now I belong to the youth group, and I'm on the praise team. I mean, it's just exciting because you want to bear fruit that remains. That's why it's so important that you take that time to spend time with, the God, with God so that you get instructions so that you know exactly what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. You know, and when you come into that secret place, it really isn't part of my message, but it's important. <laughs> but when you come into the secret place, Learn to be really quiet. Learn to listen. Don't just do all the talking. You want to learn to listen. And what you do and how you begin to develop yourself in the secret place becomes the supply that you bring into church, into the corporate meetings. The supply you bring in here is determined what you are in the secret place at home. And when you can learn to be quiet in the secret place at home, there will be times when you come together corporately and there will be times of worship when all of a sudden there will be a hush. Just a hush comes over the whole atmosphere. 
And sometimes when that happens, people get nervous and they either want to clap or do something. No, if you don't know what to do at that moment, just sit down and be real quiet because the pastor will know what to do. But when that hush comes, that's when that backslider will come to the altar. That's when that crippled person will get out of that wheelchair. That's when those blind eyes will be opened. But see, so many things happen when we come into that secret place and spend time in his presence because there will be an impartation. And with that impartation is that anointed outflow to do what he wants you to do, to go where he wants you to go, to be what he wants you to be, to say what he wants you to say. I mean, there's nothing more exciting when, when you know that you are flowing in the anointing of the Holy One. You know what I've learned years ago? Keep things simple. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, all the time, no matter where I'm at, whether I'm overseas or stateside, I always say, Lord, I'll be me and you be you. And together, we can make a dynamic explosion for the kingdom. Just like that gnat on that big old elephant's ear. Together, we sure made that bridge swing. Well, Lord, I'll be me and you be you. And together, we can build the kingdom. Amen. Just keeping things simple. Don't make things so difficult, so complicated. And we also know that each one of us have been given a measure of grace. It talks about it in Ephesians 4, 7. Grace has a purpose. It's a supernatural ability to do what God has called us to do and to do it with joy. We have a supernatural God who has given us a supernatural assignment. It's that anointing. It's the, the power of God flowing in and through our lives in such a degree that it will have a significant effect on our situation, our daily circumstances, our ministry, whatever it is. But it will have a significant effect because we cannot fulfill our assignment without grace, without the power of the Holy Spirit. I wrote this down. As Christ ambassadors, we are to be extraordinary people never getting weary and well-doing, but going beyond what is usual, going beyond our comfort zone to further the kingdom of God. Smith Wigglesworth said it like this, be on fire but never consumed, burning but never burned out, a fire fueled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say something about being burned out. It's really important that you stay within your anointing. If you stay within your anointing and under that grace, you won't get burned out. I was on one of my missionary trips years ago. Uh, it was in Africa. And uh, the last minute, the team leader wasn't able to go. And somebody else just, just volunteered. But I knew in my heart that that person had a good heart but that is not that person's anointing to take a team 
to a third world country where we're going to be out in the bush doing evangelism and medical clinics and all the kinds of things that we're going to be exposed to, that that is not the right person. So I thought, I'm going to have to really intensify my prayers on this trip. So every day I was just praying. I said, Lord, help that person. Just, just help that person to do his best. Just help him to do his best. And because we were going through a lot of unnecessary hardships. And I, I just knew it's because we don't have the right leadership. And I was praying one day. I said, oh, Lord, help him. Help him to do his best. And the Lord spoke to me and said, he is. He is doing his best. But his best isn't good enough because there's no anointing on it. So see, even your best isn't good enough if it's outside of the anointing. If it's outside of your calling, even your best isn't good enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you want to know what is your assignment, and you want to come into that secret place so that you get your assignment, and you know what to do, and you know when to do it, and you will know how to do it. Uh, you know, I have found over the years, it used to be when I was uh, very, very young, I used to get nervous about witnessing. And then I realized, you know, witnessing can really be very easy. It's not that difficult. If you just, when you're talking to people, just listen to what they're saying if there's an open door where you can just kind of go on in there. But I've learned that if, if they don't open a door, I open the door, and they don't even know that I opened it. Sometimes, for example, you might go into a department store or someplace, and, of course, they're always supposed to say, hello, how are you? They're supposed to be polite, right? Well, when they say that to me, I'll, I always say, I am blessed with heaven's best today. How about you? And they think, oh, well, <laughs> and that opens the door. Or I might say, I know one time I went into an ice cream shop, and uh, this young man was in there, and he says, how are you today? And I said, I'm on top, on top, on top. And he said, can you tell me how I can get there? <laughs> See, you can say things that will make them open the door. Amen? You know, I was uh, preaching one time in Fiji, and this couple asked if I would come uh, to their home and tell them more about uh, the Holy Spirit and, and, and do some praying with them. The, the man was sick, and I said, sure, I'll come. And they said, now, we have a friend. He's a taxi driver, and he's Hindu, and he's very happy being Hindu, so don't witness to him. I go, well, guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> so um, I got in the taxi, and he said, I understand you're a Christian. I said, oh, yes, I am. I'm very happy being a Christian. He said, I'm Hindu. He says, I'm happy. I said, I know. I, I've heard that. I, I can imagine you would be very happy being Hindu because I'm very happy being a Christian, especially since I can call my God Abba Father. He says, Abba Father? You call your God Abba Father? I said, oh, yes, I'm, I have a very close relationship with him. I, he talks to me. I talk to him. I can pray to him. He answers my prayer. So I can imagine you're probably very happy with your God being Hindu. And he never said a word, and I never said a word. And he dropped me off at the people's house. And, and then because they were friends, he came back early to pick me up, and he just walked in the house, and he heard me praying for the man. And then I got it back in the taxi. He was going to take me back to my place. And he said, I heard you praying for my friend. Does your God heal? I said, oh, 
My God loves to heal people. I was healed of cancer. I've been raised off my deathbed from malaria. Oh, my God just loves to heal. He says, so your God heals. Oh, yes, he loves to heal people. And you call him Abba Father. Oh, yes, I call him Abba Father. He said, you have a very close relationship with him. Oh, yes, I talk to him all the time. He said, well, maybe I should meet him. <laughs> so you can, you know, there's just things that you can say. And then here's one that you can probably relate to. I was uh, sharing the Lord with my insurance salesman, sales lady, actually. And um, finally she said to me, Marilyn, I, I know God, I've, I, don't, I don't do things like you do, but um, I did it my way. You ever hear people say, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't do it your way, Marilyn. I, I have my own way, and I know everything's fine. I did it my way. I said, oh, that's wonderful. You know, if I were to invite you over to my house for dinner, I'd have to give you directions. And so you'd have to follow my directions. You can't just do it any old way to come to my house. If I'm in San Diego and you're up in L.A. and you might decide, I think I want to take the scenic route going up north. I said, well, you're never going to make it to my house. So you can't just do it your way. I said, now, if you've already asked the Lord, uh, you, he's a part of your life and you've done it your way, that just sounds wonderful to me. But maybe why don't we just make sure that your way and his way are the same way? Well, yeah, that's kind of a good idea, she thought. Well, then she realized her way went the right way, and then she got born again. Now, another time I was preaching in Indonesia, and this was right after the tsunami, and uh, I don't remember how many people came to the service, but there were a lot of Muslims that had come to the service, and they assumed that they were all Christians because they weren't practicing the Muslim faith. But I knew they weren't born again, but I couldn't tell them that. If I say, oh, now, none of you guys are Christians. You have to be born again. They'd have walked out. So what I said was, I am so happy to hear that you are all Christians. And now that you are a Christian, let me tell you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They thought, wow, wouldn't that be wonderful? And then I just preached salvation. They all got saved. It's just meet people where they are, but then you take them to the next level. You don't ever want to point a finger or put people down. You want to keep that, that door open so there's never any uh, barriers there. But I, could, but I want to, something I had on my heart to share with you because, and maybe you all already know this, but years ago I didn't know how to do that. I didn't really know how to lead somebody to the Lord, or to be really comfortable. So can I show you some things tonight that might really help you? Would you like me to do that? Okay, here's what I did. I took a little 3 by 5 card, and I wrote on this card uh, John 3.16. Now, most people say, well, it's hard for me to memorize a lot of Scripture, uh, um, so I, they get kind of nervous. They get very intimidated about sharing the gospel. But how many have ever heard of John 3.16? Sure. So that's the only scripture you have to remember. Just one. So, for example, if you want to lead somebody to the Lord, now you could put all these scriptures on this card, but I think a better way is you could go to John 3.16. And at the very bottom of the page, let's just say that you're going to lead someone to the Lord. At the very bottom of that page, write down 
Romans 3, verse 23. This is kind of like a little road map. So you could show them John 3, 16, and then your eyes can just look at the bottom of the page and say, oh, Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So then you turn to Romans 3, 23, and you can show them that. And then at the very bottom of the page, you write down Romans 6, 23. And then you take them to Romans 6, 23. So you don't have to remember that. It's written right there in the bottom of your Bible. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's Romans 6, 23. And at the bottom of that page, you would write Romans 10, 9, and 10. And then if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. You can lead them right into that, and then you can just pray a simple little prayer with them. But there you have a little road map right there. You don't have to memorize anything but John 3.16. And then you can even color code it if you want to pray for somebody for healing. You still go to John 3.16 because God loves everybody. And because he loves everybody, he wants everybody healed. So at the bottom of the page, maybe in a different color for healing, you would write down Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And then at the very bottom of that page, you could write down one of the healing scriptures, 1 Peter 2.24. I always like to use that one as well. Or Matthew 8.17. But you would just take yourself to the next scripture and then write down the following scripture at the bottom. Uh, or Matthew 8.18 and 19. That would be for healing. Uh, you would do the same thing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Take them to John 3.16. And then at the very bottom, you could write down, this is for the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 7, 9, verses 9 through 11. And then at the bottom of that page, and, and you can pick out your own scriptures. These aren't the ones that you have to use, but uh, these are some of the ones that I use. And, of course, after time, you'll just know them by heart. You don't even have to memorize them. They just, it just gets into your spirit. Amen? And that would be like uh, Acts 2, chapter 1 through 4. And then John 14, 16, that talks about the Holy Spirit is your helper. Romans 8, 26, that we don't always know how to pray as we ought to pray. So these are just, that's like a little road map. You can just color code it, or you can put it on a little paper clip in the front of your Bible, and then it'll just take you through. But, you know, another thing, when you lead someone to the Lord or you pray with them for healing, don't leave them without giving them a tool. Give them something. It doesn't have to be anything that I have, but anything. Give them something, a tool. Even like in the back of this little book, there's a salvation prayer. But you want to give people a tool. Don't just leave them out there all alone. Now, when I have, um, I wanted to share some other little um, examples of how I have, um, how do I want to say it, been an ambassador for the Lord as the ministry of help. Sometimes people think, well, that's good because you're, a minister. I want to share some things with you that happened before I ever went into full-time ministry. When I went on missionary trips uh, as the ministry of helps or just as someone that worked in the church, okay? Because sometimes we think, well, that's a minister and they can do all kinds of things. On my very first missionary trip, I was still at Bible school and, and very active in my church, but I, you know, I wasn't in full-time ministry. And we were going to go to Africa and it was an evangelistic crusade that we were going to be doing, as well as medical clinics. Now, I have no medical experience whatsoever. So I thought, well, there won't be anything I can do in the medical area other than maybe just help 
the dentist or the doctor hand him some equipment or something, but I have no training at all, so I couldn't do that. But I could pray for people on the evangelistic part of it. And, uh, but before we went, I was a little nervous. It was my very first missionary trip, and I was praying and talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, um, you said that if we have... Uh, we shouldn't be anxious about anything, and we can let our requests be made known unto you. So I have a request that when I get my assignment for the medical part of it, I don't want to have to work in the dental part. Because I think people in Africa, I don't think they brush their teeth. So I don't want to work in the dental department, if that's okay, God. So... I thought, well, I've already said my prayer. I can relax about that, not be anxious about it. And then we were having our last meeting before everybody got their assignment. And they said, and Marilyn, we believe the Lord have you work in the dental department. <laughs> and as soon as they said that, I heard the Lord whisper to me. He said, I heard your request, and now I would like you to hear mine. I said, oh, I missed that part of the scripture. <laughs> and I said, well, Lord, I didn't realize it really mattered to you. But if you want me to work in the dental department, I would be more than happy to help out. I mean, I have no dental medical skills at all, but I can help. I can just help. The very first day, some lady walks in, and she is about to give birth. So I went, rushed over to where the doctor was. I said, oh, you better come over here because <laughs> this lady's about to give birth. And he says, I can't come now. I'm, I, I have people over here you're going to have to do. I said, Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Charlotte, honey, Charlotte. I know nothing about birthing no babies, you know, Scarlett. You know? And um, it was, there I was. <laughs> and it was just the most glorious experience of my life. And as soon as the little boy was born, and um, she named him Jacob, which meant Jacob. And as soon as he was born, I wrapped him up, and we had some disposable gowns, and I wrapped him up, and I just lifted him up and dedicated him to the Lord. And then I put him in her arms. And the next day, because we're way out, we are way out in the bush. I mean, there's no water, no electricity. We didn't even have a building with four sides to it. And I was looking forward to seeing her the next day, but she had already left and went to her place where she lived. But later in that afternoon, one of the natives came up, and he's pulling on my shirt. And I knew he wanted me to go with him. So I asked permission from the team leader and she says yes you may go so I went with him down the road and he took me to where she lived and she lived in the bushes and she had uh, flattened out some bushes and then she had some just kind of around just a real uh, just a real small little cluster of bushes and she was sitting on the ground there holding little Jacob and she had gotten a blanket for him and when I walked up to her she took the blanket from off his face so I could see him. And then I looked at her, and she looked at me. And neither one of us said a single word. Didn't have a translator with us. But that was, I will never forget that moment. With her eyes, she was telling me, thank you. And it was just absolutely, absolutely priceless. I was just so happy that I had been the one to help her bring little Jacob into the world. And then working with the dentist, and we were there for a month, and we had over 500 tooth extractions per day. We had people coming, clearing, walking from Ethiopia, and at one point the dentist said, 
oh, I've got to sit down and take a break, understandably so. He said, but we can't stop uh, pulling teeth. And that was mainly all we did because we didn't have any electricity or anything to do any fillings. All we could do was pull teeth, and everybody needed teeth pulled. And uh, he said, so we can't stop, so somebody's going to have to pull teeth, Marilyn. I said, oh, I know nothing. I know nothing about pulling no teeth. <laughs> he, said, he said, well, you do now. He said, besides, they don't know that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> he said, I'll talk you through it. They don't speak English. We don't understand Swahili, so they won't know that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I had two patients. You know, pulling teeth isn't easy. You have to take a special instrument for this side of the tooth and that side of the tooth. And, and they said, don't pull up. You'll hit them in the roof. You've got to pull out. And I thought, oh, two patients. And while I was doing it, I thought, wow, there is an anointing upon me to, to do what he wants me to do. And then another day we were having a tent meeting, and um, out in the bush there is zero, well, a lot of part of Africa, not just in the bush, but there is zero sanitation. And we're in this enclosed tent. We kind of had a, a little break in the service, and I thought, I think I'm going to slip outside and see if I could find some fresh air. <laughs> and so I went out there, and a little boy... He was probably about 11 years old. He came running up to me and just started rambling off in Swahili. Well, my translator was in the, it was in the tent. But I could tell this little boy is desperately trying to tell me something because he's not going to come up to someone like me and just start rambling off and, and if he didn't really desperately want to communicate. And since my translator was in the tent and this little boy is desperate to tell me something, I just simply said, Holy Spirit, I need you to be my translator right now. And as that little boy is speaking Swahili, I literally heard him in English. And he was telling me that he still had a problem wetting the bed and wanted to know if my God could help him. I mean, that he would humble himself to say that to me. And so I began to tell him about the love and the power of God in English, and he is hearing me in Swahili. I mean, it's like the book of Acts is going on right here and now. And so then he wanted me to lay hands on him, and I prayed for him, and all of a sudden, God just touched him. That little boy was delivered, set free, and then just ran off, healed and whole. It's just, Lord, I'll be me, and you be you, and together we can make a dynamic explosion. And then there was one day the Holy Spirit told us to uh, get in our Land Rover and just drive straight through the bushes. And, uh, and, and don't stop until somehow we would know when we get to wherever it is that we're supposed to go. So we're driving, and we drove several hours, and all of a sudden we came to a little clearing. And I knew, and I'm still a first-year Bible school student, but I knew that that team leader was going to ask me to minister that day. So I thought, oh, boy, I better be ready. And I was nervous, but I was ready. Always got to be ready. And so as soon as we got there, sure enough, the team leader said, now, Marilyn, uh, we want you to give them, I want you to give the message today. Now, there were just um, a few women and a few children, and there were no men there. And when I say few, I think I'm just going to guess maybe, maybe there were 18, 19, maybe 20, 20 women there. And so I started preaching, 
And while I was preaching, some man arrived. Well, we found out later that all the other men were working that day as warriors because we were in lion territory, and so they were guarding the flock uh, against the lions. So, but this one man showed up, and then when I gave the invitation for salvation, he came running up to me. I thought, wow, he is really hungry for God. And then after I prayed with everybody, I asked uh, my translator to come with me. I want to talk to this man because he ran. I mean, he literally ran. And so I asked him about it, and he said, well, he said, this is not my tribe, but I come here. He said, I'm a chief. I am a chief, but I come here once a week for the purpose of meeting with this chief. And he said, this morning, something in here, he he went like this, something in here told me, come early, come early. So I came today. And he said, I meet here not only with this chief, but there's three other chiefs that also come to meet with this chief. And the five of us get together every week for one purpose. That one purpose is to talk to God. I thought, wow. And he said, uh, we started sensing that something was missing. So we started praying, and we said, God, is there something missing? Because if there is, tell us what's missing, because it just seems like something's missing. But God never said anything. So then we started praying. We said, God, if you have to send somebody, send somebody to tell us what's missing. He said, today, when you talked about that man named Jesus, well, we never heard about him before. And I knew that's what was missing. And when you said I could ask him to come into my life, I had to come running. And then he said something I will never forget. He said, you are the answer to our prayer. And I thought, you know, I grew up in Nebraska. I am a corn husker. (laughs) And that God would choose me to be the prayer of five tribal chiefs on the opposite side of the world. Lord, I'll be me and you be you. Together, we can make an explosion for your kingdom. Just keeping it simple. Again, that was, I wasn't in the ministry. I was just ministry of helps, first-year Bible school student. So don't think that you can't do these things. And even though I might be talking about something overseas, it's no different than when that lady walked around the neighborhood praying and somebody got instantly healed. You see, we need, we need more Christians in America, and we need stronger Christians. But how will they hear if we don't tell them? Amen? So I just want to encourage you that you've got to to, uh, get out there and and don't don't hesitate. And, you know, there's such divine protection when you you work for God. Just like over there in Burma this this couple weeks ago when that guardian angel was right there. I mean, this man's perfect English told me where to go and that he was still there when I finished going through that other process, he was still there for me to ask him for more help. Perfect English. Yeah, now you go over here. Amen? 
One year when I was in Africa, and we had been preaching all Sunday, all Sunday long, and um, the pastor was taking us back to our hotel in Nairobi, and we got into a car accident, and none of us were hurt. I was, it was me and then one of the other team, um, two team members, another girl and another guy, and, uh, but the car was too damaged to drive. So the pastor got out of his car, and he and the guy that was on our team, they had to push the car to uh, someplace. And the pastor told my friend and I, he says, now you girls have to be really careful and get to the hotel as fast as you can because it's very dangerous to be walking the streets alone at night in Nairobi. It's very dangerous. He says, so be careful and get to the hotel as quickly as you can. So we're walking along, and there was a, just a lot of brush on one side of the walkway. And we're walking, and uh, then we heard some footsteps coming up from behind us. And I said, maybe we ought to walk a little faster. <laughs> so we kind of picked up the pace, and then those footsteps picked up the pace. I thought, well, maybe, maybe we ought to run, you know. <laughs> and so we got to the corner, and um, we looked, and there's no cars coming. So we quickly grabbed hands, and we started to run across the street, but we made a mistake. When we looked, we looked the wrong way. It's a one-way street. And we ran right in front of a car. He slammed on his brakes, and you could hear squeak. I mean, you could just hear, hear this tire squeal. And I looked, I was able just to turn my head, and the car's right there sideways, ready to hit us when a giant hand of an angel swept down and picked, picked, it was like when King Kong picked up Jane, it was like this hand just picked both of us up and took up over the car and across the street. Just one sweep. You know, when you, when you serve God and, and you do what he wants you to do and you're sensitive to follow the Holy Spirit, there's divine protection for you. But it is so exciting just to be an ambassador for the Lord. I mean, there's just nothing like it. And I just would encourage you, uh, don't be intimidated. Use that roadmap. Do whatever you need to do to, to equip yourself because you want to be equipped. Always be equipped. A number of years ago, and when I first went into, first went into um, full-time ministry, my first assignment, the Lord spoke to me out of the book of Haggai, and he said, go to the mountain, bring the wood, build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. I said, well, yes, Lord. Uh, did you mean San Diego, I mean, uh, Los Angeles mountains or San Bernardino mountains? Which mountains do you want me to go to? And he didn't say anything. I thought, okay, I'll just ponder that in my heart, and when he wants me to know which mountains, he'll tell me. And then a few months later, I went back to Rame. I went back for camp meeting. And some of my friends asked me if I would go to Spain to help launch a church for Mark Brzee. How many know Mark Brzee? Awesome guy. And I said, yes, but Mark's going to be uh, actually preaching at a conference in Switzerland. And if we're going to go to Spain and launch a church, well, we ought to go here as hard as much as possible. So I made the arrangements for all of us to go, well, there's five of us, to go to the Swiss Alps to hear Mark preach. And the second night of his meeting, the Holy Spirit spoke the second time. And this time, all he said was, go to the mountain. And I thought, oh, 
the Swiss Alps mountains, <laughs> not Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, I said, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And so I, I went to Spain to finish my commitment, but then we had a whole extra month left on that ticket. And I told the team members, uh, we're done, and so I'm not going to go on vacation. I'm going to go back to Switzerland. And uh, they tried to talk me out of it. They said, well, you can't speak the language up in the mountains. You don't have the budget. Where are you going to stay? I said, I don't know. But if God tells you to go, he's always got it already all worked out. He always goes before you. In just one day and two phone calls, I had a place to stay. And that place was available for me for three years. Every time I went there, I had the same place. And... Um, I started, I think I had nine salvations in one week, supernaturally, because I don't speak the language. It was just supernatural. I mean, we, have a, we serve a supernatural God that just supernaturally helps you. I mean, when I realized that I could speak uh, to somebody in Swahili and they can understand me, I realized that there is no language barrier with God. So don't let, you know, don't ever let time or money, or language, or anything interfere when God calls you to go someplace. I mean, if it's just in the marketplace, on your job, at school, whatever it is, God's already got it all worked out. If you just keep it simple, Lord, I'll be me, and you be you, and together we can make an explosion. And so I was there in Switzerland for uh, a month, and at the end of that month, I had gotten somebody to help me write something in, in German, in their language, and to let them know that I'm going to come back and I'm going to be uh, having a gospel concert. And I have a friend in England that's, that she sings uh, gospel with an operatic voice, and she sings at Royal Albert Hall every year in London, so she is top-notch. And so I asked her if she'd come over and do a concert. And uh, there's just two churches in this little village, and one is Catholic and one is Protestant. So I went to the Protestant pastor and I said, may I have uh, your church for an evangelistic gospel con or for a gospel concert? And he said, yes. I said, may I have an evangelistic message? He said, what does that mean? So I explained to him, I just wanted to tell the people about heaven and about the love of Jesus. And he said, oh, I don't know if you could say something like that. You'd have to get permission from the president of the presbytery. So I contacted him, and I said, I have permission to use the church, but I need your permission for an evangelistic message. And he said, what kind of a message is that? I had to explain it to him. And he said, absolutely not. You could never talk about Jesus like that in our church. And I thought, well, I'm moving right along. So I just left, and I went to the Catholic priest. I said, may I use your church for a gospel concert? Yes, you may, he said. May I have an evangelistic message here? And now what kind of a message would that be, he asked. So I told him, and he said, oh, we don't care what you talk about, just as long as you pay the rent. I said, well, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay. So I started paying the rent, and I mean, it was great. And he would come to some of my meetings. And one day he came up to me, and and I was now having a Bible school there and using his facility. And he came up to me and he said, Marilyn, you're what they call charismatic, aren't you? I didn't even know he would know what that was. I said, yes, I am. 
He said, does that mean that you speak in that one kind of language? I said, yes, I do. He says, how does that work? I want to know how that really works. Can you tell me how that works? Well, I wanted to have quality time with them, and I said, yes, but uh, my Bible school students are coming in right now, but I could come back later. He said, well, are you available on Thursday? I said, yes. He said, are you available at 10 o'clock? I said, yes. So he opened up his day timer, and he wrote down, Marilyn Neubauer, Holy Ghost, are coming at 10 o'clock on Thursday. <laughs> he put us all in his day timer. Isn't that awesome? And we all showed up. I mean, it's just so exciting to um, just to be an ambassador for the Lord. Amen? You know, we are his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. Jesus is in heaven. He's not doing all that anymore. Greater works, it's just because we do it in numbers. But just to keep it simple, Lord, I'll be me and you be you. Together, we can make a dynamic explosion for your kingdom. Amen? Does that encourage you tonight that you can, uh, you can use a road map, do whatever you need to do, but uh, don't, be, don't be shy because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. Don't be wimpy. Wimpy people can't do anything for God. Amen? You need to be a bold ambassador. And that's why it's so important in Ephesians 6 that you pray, like the Apostle Paul said, pray for me that I might speak forth your word with boldness as I ought to speak. And I'd like to pray for you uh, tonight. I'd like to pray for you for boldness if, if, um, if you would like me to do that. And some, maybe there's some of you here, you just need to make a recommitment as an ambassador for the Lord. You know, we've, we sing that song so many times, I surrender all, I surrender all. But we need to surrender as an ambassador because he needs us. Amen? And we, we, need, we need to be building his kingdom here. Amen? For such a time as this, we can't be shy. We can't, be, we can't hold back. Amen? So I would like to pray with you tonight. But before I pray for... Um, that I would like to ask, is there anybody here that perhaps you need healing in your body? If you have pain or sickness in your body and you would like to have prayer, I'm going to invite you just to come up here. You can just come up here if you would like me to pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's always a healer in the house. Amen. Is there anybody here, if I can just ask this question too, is there anybody here that maybe you've never even asked the Lord to come into your life? You've never prayed that prayer. You don't know what would happen to you if you were to die tonight. Is there anybody here that you have never asked Jesus to come into your life? Or maybe you have, but you've drifted away, and the Holy Spirit is just wooing you tonight. Is there anybody here like that? Don't ever want to miss that opportunity. Amen. Anybody else want prayer for healing tonight? Well, Jesus is the healer, amen? And when I pray for you, that healing power is being transferred from the kingdom of heaven into you. And sometimes it's instant, but most of the time it's progressive. But we, from this moment on, we receive and we give him thanks, amen? So stretch out your hands towards him. Father, I thank you right now for your healing power to flow into every organ, every tissue, every cell in his body. 
bringing about a complete healing and a cure that no weapon formed against him will prosper, that by your stripes he is healed and whole and satisfied with long, strong life. And spirit of fear, we give no place to you. No, no, no. Fear, you have to go. And I thank you, Lord, right now that you saturate him with peace and love and joy. Be thou made whole, spirit, soul, and body, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if there's anybody here tonight and you would like for me to pray with you, just for that spirit of boldness to come upon you, I would like just to have you come up here. We all need to have that, don't we? Just come on up here quickly. Hallelujah. And there might be some of you that you just need to fall in love with God afresh. Just recommit yourself as an ambassador. If you want to just come up here and kneel down, um, just come up here. God needs us as his ambassadors. We've been given that assignment as an ambassador. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you right now, and I release that spirit of boldness, boldness, boldness in the name of Jesus. Fire, 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 fire in the name of Jesus. Boldness, 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 fire, 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 fire in the name of Jesus. Fire, 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 fire in the name, the name. Thank you, Father God, for fire, fire, fire in Jesus' name. Fire, 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 boldness. Lord, I thank you for that spirit of boldness to come upon them in the name of Jesus. Never the same. Never, never the same. Fire, 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 fire in the name of Jesus. Fire, 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 fire. Father, thank you. Thank you for the fire. Thank you for the fire. Fire, fire, an ambassador. That's a flame of fire, a flame of fire, a flame of fire, 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 burn, fire, fire, fire. Boldness, boldness, boldness. Thank you, Father, for the fire. Thank you for the fire, 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 fire. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Father God. Lord, we choose, we choose to be an obedient ambassador for you. We choose, Father God, to be your servants. We choose to surrender all. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that the fire burns in each and every person. Lord, that we'll never be the same again, that we will be what you want us to be. 
We will do what you want us to do. We will go where you want us to go. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you have given us this assignment. We choose to be an obedient ambassador for you. And, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grande que la labra sombrende. Zora mande que la labra sombrende. I sense the Holy Spirit still wanting to do something else. Gora mande que la labra sombrende. Grande que la labra sombrende. Is everybody here filled with the Holy Spirit? You all pray in a heavenly language. If you don't, I want you to come up here quickly. If you don't have a heavenly language, if you do, then let's all just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> Fire, oh, for the fire. I just want to encourage you to take time to come into his presence. Take that time to listen. Take that time to receive instructions. Take that time to receive that boldness. Take time for that anointing to flow. Because when you come into his presence, there will always be an impartation. So stay sensitive. Work with your helper. Spend much time praying in the Holy Ghost. He is your helper. He is the revealer of secrets. You might scratch your head and think, Lord, I don't know. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I should do. I don't know who I should talk to. I don't know the next step. Yes, you do. You do know because the answer is within so don't reach into your mind, but reach within. The answer is within. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of mysteries. You can scratch your head and think, it's a mystery to me, but it isn't a mystery to your helper. So reach within. Don't reach into your mind. He doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to your spirit. So pray much in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the shower. Pray when you're walking. Pray if you're cleaning out the garage or doing laundry. Spend much time with your helper. The other third of the Holy Ghost, of the, of the Godhead, lives on the inside of you. 
spend much time with him. Get direction. Get clarity of vision. Amen. Father, we thank you again for tonight. We worship you. We magnify you. Glory, 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 glory. Do you know that song, You Deserve the Glory? Can you lead us in that song? You deserve the glory and the honor. Can we, can we close with that? He alone is so worthy. He deserves the glory.